Hello, Legends. Before we get into the episode, I just want to quickly tell you about a brand new show that I have just released. It's called Crime at Bedtime. And as the name suggests, it's been designed with those in mind who like to go to sleep at night listening to a fascinating true crime story. We'll release a brand new episode every single Monday, but right now there is a stack of episodes for you to binge straight away. So go check it out. It's called Crime at Bedtime. It's available wherever you get your podcasts from. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. One of the best parts about doing this show is you, the person listening. One Minute Remaining has made its way into the ears of so many amazing people. People that I get to chat with on a daily basis in our private Facebook group. People from all walks of life and different backgrounds. Stay-at-home mums, train drivers, truck drivers, nurses, builders, doctors, lawyers, students, police and corrections officers. There he is. Have you got me? Hello, hello, hello. You You don't got me? Oh, wait, I see the problem. There we go. We fixed it. We fixed it. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. How about you? Mate, I'm very well. Thank you very much indeed for agreeing to, uh, to come Recently, on I got a message from Casey. Casey is an avid listener of OMR, and as someone who has experienced this world firsthand, he reached out to me and asked if I'd like to hear about his experiences as a corrections officer in one of these prisons. Of course, like with any industry, you get your good and your bad. Nowhere is immune to it, especially in the media and, of course, podcasting. And as we know, many of the men and women who I speak with have on occasion talked about how some COs, as they call them, are not exactly the nicest of people to them. But of course, for every bad, there are many good. And Casey is definitely one of those. I was at the... Cimarron Correctional Facility uh, in Cushing, Oklahoma. It was a privatized prison at the point that I was there. Honestly, that prison, I remember going there as a kid. Um, Why'd you go there as a kid? Uh, it was a school-filled trip. <laughs> right, Believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, it was a school-filled trip. Some people go um, to the fair or to go, you know, a wildlife sanctuary. You guys went off to the prison. Yeah, yeah. So this and is sort of scare them straight situation. 
It kind of was, I think, because they had um, they had, of course, the CEOs and the warden talk to us. But then they also had uh, a handful of inmates talk to us, you know, um, about basically how how horrible it was to be locked up. You you don't want to be here. one guy. Yeah. One guy was just like, you know, all I want to do is play a PlayStation. Like, that's all I want to do. (laughs) <laughs> and obviously he can't do that. Right, right. Although in some facilities they do have access to things like that. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to say in the facility that I was in, um, they had one Xbox 360, but they also had a uh, PS3, I believe. Yeah. And they were allowed to sign up on a clipboard that was hanging off of the cart with the TV. I'm assuming they weren't able to play like Grand Theft Auto or anything like that. I don't remember all the games they had. I know that they had some racing games yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, oh, I've got an inmate calling me now. Uh, hold on, I'm going to have to answer this, buddy. Give me two seconds. No, yeah, go for Hello. it. Hello, this is a call from... Zach. Oh, he wasn't supposed to call me today. An offender at hey, can the I give Jefferson you a bus back City quick, Correctional buddy? Center. This call is from a correctional yeah. facility. Ah, oh, yes. Never a quiet moment in the prison pod HQ. Uh, and in fact, you will hear Zach's story coming up very soon. But in the meantime, back to Casey. So what made you decide to w- want to get into the corrections stuff? I needed a job. Fair enough. Simple as uh, that. I'm, simple as that. You know, I needed a job. I came home from the military and... Uh, yeah, needed needed work, you know. I, I hear a lot that, you know, prisons in certain towns are like the biggest employer because not because it's easy to get a job there, but it's just it's handy, it's, you know, close by, it's that sort of thing. Is that what it's the case with you? It was fairly easy to get the job there because they needed people. Right. My orientation and training had 12 people in it and we were still understaffed. Yeah, right. After that, most of the people in the Cushing, that small town, most of the people there, I'd say a great deal of them are oil field workers. You know, they they go there for the oil field. That's what they they're there for. Other than the prison and the oil field, there's nothing job wise in Cushing. So when it comes to your, your training, what what's uh, what's involved with the training? How long does that go for? It was like two weeks. That was it. Yeah. And uh, be honest with you, there there wasn't a whole lot of training. Obviously, it's a dangerous environment and that sort of stuff. Are you taught self-defense or anything no, like that? No. Not at all. Not one bit at all? Nope. None at all. Just um, your self-defense was your can of pepper spray. Yeah. That's that's what your self-defense was. Yeah, right. was a can of pepper spray. Because you're, you're um, heavily outnumbered in those places as well. Like if things kick off, you are so outnumbered. Oh, Absolutely. So do you think the training that you get sets you up to be able to, you know, do the job properly? Absolutely not. No, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Um, I think that, that they should at least give uh, a basic self-defense course, maybe yeah, yeah. two or three weeks long, um, because you just never know. Of course. You know yeah. what I mean? So according to correctionalofficeredu.org, they state the correctional officers must undergo intensive training that is similar to that provided to police recruits. The pre-employment training of correctional officers in most states is supposedly modelled after law enforcement training and combines in-depth classroom-based instruction in corrections principles, concepts and procedures with practical skills related to defence tactics, subduing violent inmates and 
right control. Now, this could well be the case for the state-run prisons and it could be slightly different for the privatised ones, like the one Casey worked in. But as we've heard just then, Casey feels the training he received was not adequate for the job that he was doing. He also says that the fact that a lot of the COs were very young could also cause problems inside. So in the beginning, because uh, I, I have a really good friend of mine and his mother has worked for that prison for most of his and I's life. You know, she's worked there f- since it opened. Yeah. Um, and she has stories about whenever it first opened, it was a really relaxed prison. Uh, COs and inmates would have softball games. Uh, they'd have snowball fights in the winter. You know, it was really relaxed. And she said over time, they started taking the older guys out of the prison and started moving in the young guys in their 20s and stuff. And, and you know, even I had a guy that was 18 <laughs> in my pod, you know, and it's like, man, that is unfortunate. Um, but, you know, they started ushering in the younger crowd and that's when it went wild. When I first started there and they were on lockdown, it was almost a year before those guys came off lockdown. And yeah. for those who don't understand what, what a lockdown entails, what's that mean for the prisoner? Um, that means that they spend 23 hours a day in their cell. That They, they can come out to shower and that's about it. The facility that I, that I was at, they had uh, sinks and toilets in their cell. There's some facilities that don't have that. And so they they were locked in their cells. The only people that were allowed to leave were uh, kitchen workers and um, the cell house custodian. You know, so he'd come out and clean up all the trash because they eat lunch in their cell when, when they're on lockdown. They, they eat lunch in their cell. They don't leave the cell. The only ones that leave are the are the workers. You know, and uh, and that must create quite an atmosphere as well. Lockdowns get loud. They get loud because they're not allowed to come out and mingle like they would normally. You know, so they're banging on the doors, screaming to be let out, and yelling at people. And you know, I'd just be going and doing my rounds, and I'd hear, "Hey, CEO." Then I'd hear it from over here. Hey, CEO. Hey, CEO. I was like, what do all of you guys want? Because if you all have the same question, I'll answer it right here. <laughs> okay. uh, some guys wanted to talk to their caseworkers and some guys just simply wanted to know when they were coming out of lockdown, you know? And, and you, yeah, so no, when you started there, the, the place was on lockdown when you first got there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Obviously, going into a prison, it's you know, it's a dangerous environment for a corrections officer because you know, you know, a lot, there's a lot of these people in there that see you as the the enemy in quotes. Did you have any preconceived ideas of what it was going to be like before you went in? Um, yes and no. Um, I was one of those ones that fell to the "it's going to be like it is on TV" yeah. type of thing. You're going to get shot you know I mean? day one. And and when I went in there, it was a completely different ball game completely different ball game and and like i said there there are guys that are in there that are like once the police always the police you know what i mean but the guys that i i looked over on the on that cell house you know i I basically told them i was like listen this is your home you guys make the rules at the end of the day i leave here i said you guys know what you can and cannot do so 
All I'm asking you is don't make me do my job. I don't want to have to write you guys up. But of course, there would always come the time when Casey would have to write someone up. Prisons are a melting pot, just waiting to boil over. Tempers flare and incidents can happen in the blink of an eye. Casey talks me through one of these occasions. We got a new guy on the pod. He was an inmate and he flipped out for no reason. He was on the phone and he said, I've got to get out of this damn place. And he smashed the phone. And then as he stood up, he punched a guy that was standing at the microwave, punched him in the back of the head and stabbed that 18 year old kid for no reason. And whenever he saw I was coming up the stairs, he just ran straight to his cell. And I said, you, you fucked up, bud. You fucked up. And that, that kid, that 18 year old kid, he wasn't doing a long sentence. And he was like, man, I'm supposed to get out next year. I'm, I'm, I'm only supposed to be here for, for two, for like a year and a half or something. He's like, I'm supposed to be getting out. This is going to stop me from getting out. I was like, dude, I am not letting this stop you from getting out. And I actually went and had a meeting with my captain and I said, this kid right here, he did not do anything. As far as the guy that got hit, he did not do anything either. I do not want either of them getting in any kind of trouble. They did nothing. They reviewed the footage and reviewed the phone call. And, uh, you know, uh, they transferred that guy to SEG. And the the other two guys weren't written up. In those instances, because things can just obviously snap just like that and, 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 just, right. and just change in an instant. Does that happen on a regular basis in these places? For me personally, that was an oddity because I had already been there for about a year. That particular incident was a complete oddity. I wasn't stunned or shocked that he did what he did because you kind of always expect that. After a while, you expect somebody to do that, but you don't expect it to be the new guy. Are you always on edge doing the job? um, Yeah, yeah. You, especially if it's a pod that you don't work constantly because see i work the same pod all the time Mm. i only ever work off of that pod two or three times and that was to take over for somebody else on a different pod so once you kind of get the rapport with the with the guys that are on that pod i assume the females in the female prisons as well um once you get that rapport with them they know you and you know them and you don't really have problems that Mm. that's if you work the same pod like i did The pod in particular that I was in was a mixed race pod and mixed gang pod. So there was guys from different gangs um, in there. And actually, there was a a guy who defected from the Aryan Brotherhood in there. All of his swastikas and stuff that were all tattooed all over him, he burned them out or scratched them out with a piece of metal in his cell. Like he got rid of all the insignia. Jesus. Um, and he was like, I'm pretty sure if the Aryans catch me outside, I'm a dead man. And so those, those guys on that pod, they were all guys, um, you know, for the most part that just wanted to do their time. And, and it wasn't like they didn't have serious crimes. There was a few guys on that pod that were murderers, but they just didn't want to get in trouble. They just wanted to go to work 
make some money for commissary and and do their time. It, it's funny because, you know, I've recently in the new show that we started called Wanted, I've been speaking with a guy who's convicted of multiple, five murders. He reckons he's done more, but he's convicted of five. It's weird to say, but he's actually a likable dude. He's, right. He's, no, done, he's done horrendous things. Don't get me wrong. He's done terrible things. But he's actually talking to him. I'm like, you, you forget what he's done because he's such an affable guy and you're just chatting with him right. and back and forth. So did you find that with the people that you were dealing with? Oh, absolutely. There's one guy, I, I don't remember his name, but he came up to me one night after I walked in on the uh, on the pod. He came up to me. He's like, hey, zombie, because those guys named me zombie because uh, I have a... My tattoos on my arm is all like there's a zombie bite yeah, and stuff right. like that. And and so they, they nicknamed me zombie. And he's like, zombie, man, I got good news for you. And I was like, what's that, man? What's going on? He's like, dude, I got my parole. I'm leaving in three days. And I was like, dude, I'm proud of you. Congratulations, man. Don't don't mess it up. I don't want to see back here. There was other things, too. You know, I, I had access to the outside world, you know, so. I would for lunch, you know, I'd bring my lunch with me and and I'd have like a bag of flaming hot Cheetos, you know, a big bag of flaming hot Cheetos. And one guy was like, Hey, let me get some of those flaming hot Cheetos. How about you go get me a honey bun? Ain't nothing for free. You give me a honey bun, I'll give you some of my flaming hot Cheetos. That's the, the other <laughs> thing, you know, you always hear about and 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 see, you know, on these shows and all the rest of it that you know, inside prison, it's the hustle. It's also extortion goes on and, you know, corrections officers aren't immune to being approached like you were in that instance, like, hey, give me some Cheetos. And, and you know, you have to learn how to, I suppose, work that and not be taken advantage of or be seen as, you know, quote unquote, weak in, in their eyes. Right. And, um, you know, that there was one guy on the pod. He was like, I'll shoot you $500. You bring me in a bottle of actual tattoo wink and i was like no not not happening yeah sorry not doing that we're not going down that road and and that guy tried real hard for months for me to bring him in some actual tattoo wink but i just didn't do that yeah i think most of you listening would know that of course prison guards are not immune to slipping up and potentially overstepping when it comes to getting too close to the men and women who are incarcerated in case he says it happened in his own prison on New Year's Eve. My last year working there, it was New Year's. And so those guys made hooch. They, they'd been making hooch the whole time, you know, waiting for New Year's to come around. They were going to get they were going to get drunk. And uh, there was a female CEO who actually got pregnant on the job on New Year's with with one of the inmates. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> and that I don't know. Like I said, I can't speak on the female prison side of things because I never worked in a female prison. Yeah. But if it's happening in a male prison, oh, you I can imagine sure. that it happens in a female prison. Absolutely. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Casey talks me through the importance of why corrections officers are not supposed to know the crimes that have been committed by the men and women that they watch over on a daily basis. 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Casey is an avid listener of OMR and also spent two years working at a maximum security prison in the United States. So when he contacted me to offer me some insights into that world, I of course jumped at the chance. And he told me plenty of information that I was not aware of, including the fact that corrections officers are not supposed to know the crimes of the men and women who are incarcerated. So the COs aren't supposed to know what the inmates are in for. That seems like a weird thing. Surely it would be important to know who you're dealing with. Right. But in their eyes is it's like, okay, if you know that this guy is a pedophile and you're extremely against that and you know that this guy is in for life, no matter what he does, you might put them together. Why wouldn't you put them together? And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you what, there's stories out there that come from CEOs that do that shit intentionally or they, or they, they look away, you know, um, that, that is, that right there is a very common thing. You know, you get the pedophile in some pod and a, a guy just he's at that point where he doesn't give a damn anymore. He's going to spend the rest of his life in there and uh, <clears throat> he'll go give that pedophile a tune up. And then the that guy will come over and say, hey, he beat the crap out of me. And he'll point at the dude and dude will go, no, I didn't. You fell down the stairs. And the CEO goes, well, looks like you fell down the stairs. Yeah, right. You know, so that's why they don't want you to, yeah. to I know. Mean, I suppose that makes but sense. I, yeah. But I will say a lot of those guys are extremely open with why they are locked up. Um, but yeah, there was there was one guy that had a, uh, a sexual case put on him. I don't know the actual story because every time he told me what he was in for, it was a different story. Yeah, I, right. I got five different stories out of him. One of the people that were there that cleaned up the pod, he was like, yeah, he's in here for having sexual relationships with a 16-year-old girl. And I was like, okay, well, that's not good at all. Yeah, he'd try to talk to people. People would blow him off. Uh, every now and then, people would show up to his cell door and they'd walk away with a couple cans of Dr. Pepper or something. You know, so he was being extorted heavily. It's a real gray area. You're supposed to report it and give write ups out over that. Um, but at the same time, if you do that, you're putting a target on your back because you're standing up for a pedophile. I can only imagine the tightrope that you must be walking on a daily basis inside a prison as a corrections officer. 
On one hand, of course, you're there to maintain control and enforce the rules that have been put in place. But on the other hand, you are heavily outnumbered, surrounded by men and women who, some may have very serious crimes, hatred towards authority, life sentences with seemingly nothing really to lose. You make a bad decision in that prison that pisses off the wrong people, your life could quite possibly be on the line. Casey says he did his best to enforce the rules, but also would let certain things slide in order to build a sense of trust and respect between him and the men that he was in charge of. There's other things too that if you catch it, you're supposed to give them write-ups for, right? And one of the big ones is sexual relationships between inmates. If you catch that, you're supposed to give them a write-up on it, whether it's consensual or not they get a write-up. My thought was, is if you guys are, because I had two, um, two fellows on, on my pod that were in a relationship and like they had this whole notebook, they were planning their life on the outside together and everything. If I ever, which I did catch them, I was supposed to write them up. Now keep in mind, I'm, I'm a night CEO. So I'm there from 7 PM to 7 AM was the shift. And, um, so it's like three o'clock and I'm doing my rounds, shining my flashlight. That's another thing. I hated that. I hated that shining the flashlight in there to make sure that they're in there. I hated that because you ever get hit with a beam of light in the yeah. face while you're asleep? <laughs> Fast asleep, yeah. Yeah. So I hated that aspect. So I did the red lens flashlight to kind of tone it down on them and stuff like that. You know, like I said, I, for the most part, I, I tried to respect those guys as much as possible, but I, I did catch that couple technically i was supposed to write them up but it was consensual i knew these guys these guys were together since before i started working there i'm not going to write them up that the reason you're supposed to write them up is to to deter them from doing it because of the diseases right yeah another funny story was there's a couple of tattoo artists on the pod you know you catch them giving tattoos you're supposed to write them up i never did that was to me that's one of those things as long as it's not racist or gang related or anything like that go for it man i'm not here to be it's using discretion jury. it's yeah it's using discretion it's you know and people get more you get more respect from that right and respect goes a long way in the position of a ceo yeah of course it absolutely does um you know, it was like one day i just i wasn't having it was having a bad day before i even got to to the job and I walked in and there's one guy who he'd always poke fun with me. You know, we'd always pick on each other. And uh, I, I just looked at him and I was like, not today, man, not feeling it. He's like, all right, CEO. Well, I hope your day gets better, man. And he, and he walked away, you know? Yeah. So respect goes a long way with those guys. You've got to show it to them. And, and I, in a weird sense, I want to say, I don't really care what their crime was. But at the same time, I don't want to say that because I don't want to be. It's rock and hard place, you know. It's like it's, right, yeah. right. In that place, you need to almost take your personal thoughts and feelings about those things out the window when you walk through those doors. Yeah. These are just blokes in a prison. They're in there yep. for whatever in there in there. Your job is just to keep everything under control and keep it moving. Right. Of course, there are going to be plenty of people who disagree with Casey's stance and approach to his job. Some will say that these are criminals 
they're being punished and you should treat them that way. And in fact, it was that opinion that would see Casey targeted by his own work colleagues. Because you gave them so much, so much respect and you were sort of respected by a lot of them, did, did that rub up uh, other corrections officers the wrong way? Did they not like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it put a target on my back, um, and particularly with my lieutenant and my captain. I was told that I had too much of an inmate mentality to be a CEO. And I said, why? Because I'm showing these these guys the respect. To me, it's like if I meet somebody... You get a baseline respect out of the gate. You get a baseline respect. Your actions dictate if that goes down or up. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, so, and I was like, too much of an inmate mentality? Again, as a listener of OMR, Casey has some great insights on certain cases that we've discussed and just how tricky life could be for them. Most notably, Jason Vukovic. One of the other things, too, um, kind of speaking back on the whole guard turning the other cheek when stuff, certain stuff happens. Um, I was listening to one of your last episodes with, uh, with Jason Vukovic and said something about him getting some sort of parole deal where he had to do five of his remaining 10. Yeah. I don't think people understand he's got to walk on eggshells with eggshells strapped to the bottom of his feet. And and what I mean by that is if he pisses off a CEO, a CEO could find somebody to go and fuck his shit up, his, his good behavior up. Um, which is like I said, not out of the realm of possibility, you know, um, CEOs, they have rats there. They have moles there that will tell you the ends, what people are doing, what people, you know, what they're planning on doing, what's going on. You know, there's COs out there that if they just don't like an inmate for one way or another, they make it hell on that particular guy, you know, and man, for for Jason to have to have no slip ups. For five five years. years. Yeah. And, And it's one of those things. It's like the. It's like the incident that he was talking about where he almost got wanged, you know, that would have fucked it up. Living in an environment like this where we're mixed in with transient pretrial unsentenced people, some of them drug addled coming down, some of them from other states just coming through, it is a challenge and uh, you know, this week is a good example of that. This is, this is a week, strangely. Uh, for the first time in 10 years, I was out there on the rec yard, um, and they ha- kind of have like, imagine a jungle gym for convicts where you can do pull-ups and dips, and then there's like a sit-up station where you can court- sort of lock your feet in and do suspended sit-ups, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of these guys, bro, just a scurvy scumbag who I had kicked out of my cell and told him to stay away from me. I don't want you or your behavior around me. Just stay away from me. This guy sneaks around behind me, and as soon as I lay back into a set of sit-ups, cracks me in the side of the head about three times. Oh, my Lord. Uh, for the guards were able to get there and, and do whatever they did. So, Luckily, he said that he didn't, the corrections officers saw it instantly, so, you know, he didn't get anything he didn't get in trouble for it. But something as simple as that, yeah. if, if they're not watching what's going on and he gets attacked. 
and and let's take that even a step further you know like you said if it's one of the one of the ceos that he pissed off at some point you know let's say they did see that happen then they're going to turn around and say well well no mr vukovic threw the first punch yeah and then that inmate that attacked him is going to say yeah yeah he hit me first i was just defending myself and there it goes boom your parole's gone yeah one thing i've learned is in that setting it's literally you versus the world i think probably the best way to tackle that just from being a ceo looking in i i feel like the best way to tackle that would be stick to yourself and read a lot of books yeah um put yourself on a 23-hour lockdown <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much so casey would last two years in the job before it got to the point he says that he just couldn't do it anymore and funnily enough it wasn't because of the inmates did you enjoy the two years that you that you did uh, I enjoyed the first year. Yeah. The second year, like I said, that's whenever things the, went downhill. They were trying to trying to push me out or yeah, yeah. get a reason to get rid of me, and yeah. so and it got harder. But like I said, the only people that were problem people at that point were the other COs. I started getting treated more like an inmate than a CO, and it, and it was really unfortunate. I, of course, want to say a huge thank you to Casey for sitting down with me to talk about his experiences in the world of corrections. And, of course, if you have experienced anything when it comes to the world of prisons or crime that we discuss, whether it be policing, law, or any other facet of this world, please feel free to reach out to me anytime via the OMR Facebook group. One Minute Remaining is a Mash Pumpkin production. Produced, hosted, and created by Jack Lawrence. Editing and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans. This show is part of the ACAST Creator Network. <laughs>